0: My name is Joe Crumley. I'm one of the leaders here at Christ Central. And I'm going to continue the series that we had started last week. And so we're looking at the life of Moses through the Old Testament and learning lots of different things from this man's uh, walk with God and how we can apply that to our lives today. And if you were with us last week, we started out and we looked at how God is sovereign in the whole of history. And so just a quick review, and I encourage you, if you miss a Sunday, the messages are on our website. And so you can go back, you can listen to them during the week, and there's a study guide there, so even better. So the study guides provide it for your life groups, for you guys to be discussing and applying, and for all of us to be looking at that. So if you miss a Sunday, check it out online, and you can download the uh, handout that goes with it to keep you up to speed on things. And we're looking at this incredible life of Moses and his whole beginning, and we saw how God is the God of history, how he prophesied back in Genesis 15 about God's people are going to be in Egypt for 400 years. We see that come to completion. God is faithful. Moses is born, a miraculous uh, birth in the sense of that all the baby boys were supposed to be killed, but his parents put him in the basket and God intervened. And we pick up the story through there. And we see that throughout all of that, God being silent during that time, we know as we read the story, and we now have the benefit of the Word of God, and now we have the benefit of seeing this applied to our own lives. That God is in control. And that's what we mean when we say God is sovereign. God's sovereign over creation, over history, over world events, over political leaders, over our lives. God is in control. And not only is God in control, as we saw last week, we see that God sees, God hears, God remembers. So God cares. Now, the message we're going to have this morning was supposed to be last week as well, but I ran out of time. So this is part two. And as you can see from the title, what we're going to do today, and it fits right into everything that God's been speaking to us through the worship time, is that when we know there's a sovereign God who's in control, and we know this God, even though sometimes he's silent, hears and cares and is involved in our lives, then we can put our trust in him and we can live by faith. And today we're going to look at examples from Moses' life of what it is to live by faith. So let's pick up the story. We're going to read it here. Uh, We're going to pick it up at Exodus chapter 2 verse 11. So we've already had the birth of Moses and now we jump ahead and we can see that he's grown up now. And it says this, one day when Moses had grown up he went out to his people and looked on their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew one of his people. And he looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And when he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together, and he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? And he answered, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Did you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. And when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priests of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. And when they come home to their father Ruel, he said, How is it you have come home so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. And he said to his daughters, Then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter, Sipporah. And she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner or a foreigner in a foreign land. And during those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Now we're also going to read from Hebrews, and it's amazing. This passage, in this part of Moses' life, it's, we get different parts of it throughout Scripture. So we're going to look later at Acts 7. You can read Psalm 105, and now we're going to take it from Hebrews, that the Holy Spirit, speaking through different authors, tells us more about the life of Moses. And the author of Hebrews says this, in Hebrews eleven twenty three: By faith... And by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured, or persevered, as seeing him who is invisible. This morning we want to continue to look at this whole thing of living by faith in a sovereign God. And I want to start this morning by, sort of in a general way, just saying this, that sometimes when we talk about faith, and I've talked to many people about faith, as soon as they find out I'm a pastor, it usually opens up all kinds of conversations. And a lot of times, people say something like this, well, I'm glad you put your faith in something, but I'm not a person of faith. And so they exclude themselves from the conversation (laughs) right away. So I'm kind of scratching my head going, oh, man, how do you... So this is what I try to engage with people because it broadens the conversation. That if we define faith as what do we put our trust in, and our hope in, that's going to bring us satisfaction and fulfillment and purpose and pleasure. If you open up the definition to say, what do you put your faith in? What do you put your hope in your dreams, your time, your energy? What do you value that you're going to believe is going to fulfill you, satisfy you, give you purpose, meaning, and life? Then very quickly, we all put our faith in something or someone. And you can probably go through all the different things that we do. So we put our faith in health, don't we? If I can just stay healthy, then I'm going to be happy. And the world bombards us with, if you can stay young, then you'll be happy. And so people put their faith in cosmetics, surgery, everything else, exercise to remain healthy and fit and young, believing that will be my purpose. And people might not consciously think, I'm putting my faith in that, but that's what we do. And we can go through the list. We put our faith in money, in wealth, in possessions. If I can have all this, then I will be happy. And we put all our time, effort, energy into obtaining these things, believing that will satisfy us. We're putting our faith into wealth. And we can keep going, a lot of people are going to put their faith into politics, especially tomorrow with our election. And so people are like, if Harper would just get out, and Trudeau would get in, federally, then we'd be all set. And people are like, if we can just keep Trudeau out and keep Harper in, and then if we can get Medicare in and change everything, then that will be it, and we can go through. And tomorrow, as you've probably picked up, if you were here in New Brunswick the last few weeks, pretty, people are pretty passionate about their politics, and a lot of it is, root, is things are going to be better if so-and-so in this party gets into power. And people who would say, I don't have any faith in anything, put a lot of time, effort, and they're pretty passionate. Because whether they realize it or not, they're putting their faith into something. Now, all these things aren't necessarily evil. We want to be good citizens. We want to vote. We want to be educated. We want to influence. Absolutely. We want to be healthy. We want to eat right. All those things. Nothing wrong with money. You can help people, all that. But when that becomes everything, then that is what we put our faith in. That becomes our God. And I can go, I mean, we can keep going through the list. You can go sports. You can go even religion. What can I do? And a lot of it has to do with ourselves that we put our faith in ourselves. If I can just do enough, if I can just try harder, if I can just do this, and the world will tell you, you can do anything. So if you can somehow release some power within you, then you're going to be okay. And as we are going to see throughout the Bible, the Bible and God speaking through his word, as we're going to see a lot of time, most of the time, all the time, is saying those aren't the things that you need to put your faith in. And the examples we're going to look at today, if you can just think of some of the things that we're going to talk about this morning, and you replace that people put their faith in God with some of these things, it's almost, if it wasn't so life and death, it'd almost be humorous to say, people are putting their faith in that, and yet we do it here today. So what is faith? What are we talking about we talk about faith because everyone talks about faith if you're into sports you got to have faith so we're beginning of a new hockey season and all the toronto maple leaf fans this is the year and faith level is rising and this is going to be gone. come on we got to have faith we just gotta believe as if all of our corporate things are going to help thing you pick any team you got to have faith so much so at the end of a wall game, if your team's behind, you put your hat inside out and you put it on your hat because it's a rally cap and you're believing that if we do all these different things, that's going to influence the game. So you've got to have faith. You're all laughing, but that's what millions of people do. <laughs> you've got to have faith. So is faith just being positive? Is it just being optimistic? So a lot of people say that. Come on, you gotta have faith. You just gotta believe. You gotta have you gotta be positive. You gotta stay positive. You gotta be positive. You gotta be positive. You gotta be optimistic. Is it finding some sort of is it just luck? So you have enough faith and I've got enough good luck charms, that's gonna help me. And our biggest one in our culture is you gotta find out somehow to release the energy within you. You gotta unlock the energy within you to have a good vibe good energy, and positive things will happen. Folks, that's our culture. And what I just talked about, self-releasing the power from within, and our bookstores online, those books are selling the fastest out of anything. You've got to unlock the potential within you. And as we're going to see, the Bible doesn't say any of those things. In fact, if I could be so blunt, the Bible says, if you're left to your own, we're all in big trouble. The Bible's saying, yes, we got to put our faith in something or someone, but it's not all those things I've listed. The Bible always says this, we need to put our faith in God. We need to put our trust in God. We need to, if we're going to find fulfillment and pleasure, and satisfaction, and purpose. The Bible's saying, you're not going to find it in all these things that really God's created, His creation, including you and I. You're going to find it in the author of creation. You're going to find it in God. And what I was trying to do, and I believe God's speaking through me last week, trying to emphasize the sovereignty of God, that God is in control despite everything that's going on in our world today, which is chaos— So we're not blind to it. We see it every single day in our backyard to the nations. But God, as we're going to see as we dive into his word, always talks about our faith points to God. We are putting our trust in God. We're not just putting it into ourselves. We're not just wishful thinking. We're always, God is always the object of our faith. We're believing in God. And if you're on the Alpha course, I'm going to give you... uh, quick uh, one from Nikki Gumbel. Nikki Gumbel on the Alpha Course says this, faith is really this, it's daring to believe God. I like that. I can, that's a nice short definition for me because faith, you're kind of like, oh, what's faith? Faith is this, it's daring to believe God. It's daring to believe God's character, that he's faithful and loving. It's daring to believe the promises of God, It's daring to believe the power of God. So, this morning, are we daring to believe that Jesus can break every curse that might have been spoken over your life? Are we believing that God here this morning can break chains because Jesus has conquered sin and death and Satan? Are we daring to believe that God actually loves us? That, folks, is faith. It's daring to believe in God's character, God's promises. God's power, and that's the life that God wants us to live. He wants us to live by faith in him, not in ourselves, not in any other thing. Faith in God's word is always, we put our trust in our hope, and we're daring to believe God. Now, let me give you some examples just from the life of Moses, and we see from Hebrews, it helps us out in Hebrews 11, because it starts each phrase, and if you go there, it says, by faith, and we see this. By faith, Moses' parents hit him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edith. Can you imagine Moses' parents? What a horrible situation to be in. No ultrasounds back then and you're waiting nine months and Moses' mom is pregnant and you're trying to decide, what are we going to do when the nine months is up? Is this going to be a boy or a girl? Because if, we deliver, if she delivers a boy... Then the edict is we got to throw them into the Nile. What a horrible situation to be in. Now you go back and you put yourself in that situation and you say to Moses' parents, you come up to them and just say, Hey, parents, you just got to have faith. You just got to believe. You just got to hope. You just got to put your faith in your health and your wealth. And you need to put your faith in yourself. And if you can release some energy from within you, that's going to change everything. And we need to put our faith in politics and who's in charge. Do you see how very quickly you're kind of going like, that would be a cruel thing to say to Moses' parents, wouldn't it? To say, just believe. you just got to have faith. Just kind of hope, and if you're positive enough, things will turn around. That's a cruel thing to say. Yet we do that to each other today, as we find ourselves sometimes in horrible situations. And Moses' parents, as we read more of the situation, and as you read more in Genesis, you're going to learn more about them. But from Hebrews, it says that by faith, Moses' parents hid Moses for three months, even though they knew their boy was supposed to be murdered. They understood the reality of that if they are found out hiding this baby, not only is the baby killed, most likely they and their whole family are going to be killed. They're put into a life and death situation, yet they were daring to believe God. Do you see now how our definition of faith really is important, that it depends on God? So here they were, and by faith they put the baby in a basket. They set it out. Now, I'm saying by faith because this. We can kind of read some things into the story that by faith, they must have believed that God was going to do a miracle because they left Miriam, the sister there, to see what was going to happen. So reading into it, their faith led to action that they're trusting a sovereign god no they don't know the outcome but they're believing god you can do a miracle and we're putting our faith in you and we're not going to be ruled by the king because you put pharaoh in charge and we're going to believe that you are going to do something because we see your hand upon this child and we're going to trust you and we're going to do our part we're going to hide them and then we're going to set him, and we're going to put miriam there and we're going to trust god would you do a miracle because our faith is in you by faith, Moses' parents. They were living by faith. And I'm trying to get to, as we build through here, their trust in God led to action. It affected their decision-making process. Now, we're starting out at the big end. We're starting out life and death situations. And we're going to see it affects everyday life, not just life and death, but that's a starting and I found it interesting that the prophetic things coming through, Gary and Angela and Jody, and that this morning, were all about death. That Jesus has conquered death. Ha ha! As only Angela can put it, God's speaking through her. And we saw in this instant God come through, and there was a ha ha to Pharaoh. Hey, Pharaoh, guess what? You're going to raise the one you're trying to kill? He's going to be your son. Ha-ha! Moses' parents, you're going to get paid for taking care of them. Ha-ha! The Nile that was meant to kill Moses, as we're going to see, ended up killing the Egyptians. And it's a foreshadow of things to come. But my point is, by faith, Moses' parents trusted in a sovereign God. Now, folks, I need to say, we understand, and we're going to get to it, that a lot of other babies were killed, and those parents are weeping, saying, where is God? So we understand that point, and we're going to get to some of those things. My point this morning, whether God comes through, and it's a little bit like, if you remember the guys who were going to go into the furnace— remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They said to the king, our God can save us. So if you put us in there, our God can save us. But even if he doesn't save us, we're not bound down to you. There's sort of a good stubbornness that God puts in to say, God might save us, God might not, but we're still trusting him. And folks, that's living by faith in a God who knows the end of the story. We don't know how it's going to get to the end, but we know the end of the story. And folks, maybe most of us aren't in life and death situations, but folks, there's fellow brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world who are in life and death situations every single day, every moment. And we need to be praying for them and recognizing that God would give them strength to put their trust in the living God. Now last week we had Kika and Angelina and their family over for lunch, and at some point I want them to share. They're waiting for God just to work out a few more things in their testimony to God. But just hearing their story, being in the Democratic Republic of Congo, having to flee for their lives, leaving everything behind, going through Tanzania, Mozambique, not knowing... Where they're going with nothing, three young kids traveling through the night, hiding from the soldiers, not knowing where they're going, where they're going to, how, but trusting that God was going to make a way. Not just being positive, not just putting their hope in health, wealth, politics, oh yeah, all those things aren't even there, but putting their faith in a sovereign God. Not knowing the outcome. That's a modern day example sitting right here and there's many others with a similar story of today putting their trust in God in a life and death situation. And before we move on, I'll just say this. Parents, you, we, me, have a great opportunity to put things into our kids about believing and walking by faith in God. Because we're going to see, Moses must have been influenced by his parents. Because here he is growing up, we see, in the palace of Egypt, in all the luxury, being a Pharaoh's son, all the things of culture in that day. And yet, as we read, he chose to be identified with his people. Parents, they put an identity in Moses that was different from the culture he grew up in. Hint we need to put an identity and a calling that God is at work in our kids in a culture they're growing up in that doesn't recognize God. And they must have told Moses the story. Moses, you, God's hand is on your, upon your life because he spared you. God must have a calling for your life. Stick close to God. And we can say to every one of our kids, you're a gift from God, given, and God's got purposes and plans for your life. And at a young age, begin to build faith in them that God has something in store for them. And they must have given Moses the promises and said, Moses, God promised from his word that he would bring us out of Egypt during that 400 years. Okay? We need to remember the promises of God. They must have had a great influence by faith into Moses that we see and read about. It shaped his life. And I was listening, it's interesting, Terry Virgo doing a similar series on Moses right now. Listening to one hand, he talked about a great thing He was thanking his parents for being an example to him of not being religious, but believing God. And folks, parents, we don't want to grow up just giving a little bit of religion to make our kid well-rounded. We want us living lives of faith so that we're modeling to our kids by faith. We're trusting and following a living God. So parents, I encourage you. It's hard. It is absolutely but let's get with God to say, by faith, we're going to be parents who model living by faith and trusting in a sovereign God that's going to influence our children because we don't know what God wants to do in their lives for his glory. Hallelujah. All right, we've got to keep moving right along. This flows right into it. By faith, it says this. Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. So, folks, we've got to remember Moses, he had it, man. If there was ever, like, a position you want to be in, Moses is pretty good. Okay? You, should have been a sl- you should have been killed. Your people are in slavery. They're out there working hard and you're in a palace and they're going without food and you're living in luxury. They have to work. You probably don't have to work and you've got honor and titles and status and popularity. You've got a great future ahead of you. If there was ever a time that you could think, forget where I came from. I'm going to settle where I'm at right now. It would have been Moses. And Who could blame him? But yet, by faith, Moses didn't do that. He didn't get caught up in the culture of the world in which he lived in. He remembered where he came from. Because we read this. Moses went out of the palace to be with his people, the Bible says. Moses had compassion on their situation. Moses intervened in the Egyptian hurting the Hebrew. Now, he might have taken it a step too far, yes, but he intervened. We see this Pharaoh was angry with Moses. Now you think, "Your son, if you're a if you're Pharaoh's son, you can probably do anything you want. So if you kill a guy, what's the big deal? You're Pharaoh's son." But Pharaoh knew Moses has picked sides here. There's an allegiance to God's people that Moses has demonstrated, and Pharaoh was angry. The Egyptian culture was men are supposed to be married at age 40. And if we read Acts 7, Stephen tells the story of Moses. It says when Moses was 40, that's when he went out. He wasn't married yet because Moses knew he wasn't supposed to marry an Egyptian. He went against culture. And it says that Moses resisted the immediate pleasures of culture because he put his faith in God. Moses knew his identity and his calling, which I think came from his parents. He knew he was set apart. Moses saw the sh- that the long term was over the short term. He had an eternal perspective. He was looking forward to a future reward that would come from God, which allowed him to say no to short term pleasure for long term gain. Moses saw Jesus. Can you imagine? It says for the sake of Christ. Now we don't quite all understand that, but there's Jesus in the Old Testament. It says for the sake of Christ. He wanted to be aligned with the reproach of Christ than be with Pharaoh. He was willing to be mistreated than to live in luxury. And it says that Moses endured by faith. He persevered because he saw God who was invisible. Folks, my point being, if you meet and understand and know the living God, and you understand God's purposes and character and God's plans, that's going to shape your everyday life. So university students, high school students, middle school, elementary, wherever you are, single, married, I'm covering everybody here, you're going to be faced with temptations for short-term gain, for long-term pain. (laughs) And you're going to have temptations, and it's going to attack your identity, it's going to attack you sexually, it's going to attack you in every point and i'm encouraging you this morning that by faith by putting your trust in the living god you can say no to short-term pleasures because you've got a great reward coming by obeying jesus but that has to affect your everyday life has to affect my everyday life we can say god is sovereign and if it doesn't come into our everyday decision-making pattern then we're missing something by faith moses was able to say no to these things because he knew his identity he knew god he knew eternity he had a kingdom perspective all those things he modeled by living by faith and trusting in god and that's a pattern for us today keep going because these are important we read this by faith in moses midlife years he waited now, I don't have time to read all of Acts 7, but if you read Acts 7, verses 22 to 29, Stephen, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he recounts the history of Israel. So he goes through the life of Abraham, he talks about Joseph, he gets to Moses, and we, read more, we get understanding more of what Moses was going through during that time. And I'll just read you two key verses, because it shines light on Moses and him going into the desert. Acts seven twenty-two. Stephen says this, Moses was educated in all wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. Now just remember that when Brent gets to chapter 3 and 4 next week. I'll read that again. Moses was educated in all wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. Moses was the man. And we read this in verse 25. When Moses intervened and he killed the Egyptian, he thought... He was doing the right thing. And he thought his people would rally to him. And they would see that this is the deliverer. Verse 25, Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. Instead, they said, who are you? Who made you prince and judge over us? And we see from Stephen's account in Acts 7 that the Holy Spirit reveals more of the story that Moses knew his calling, but he tried to fulfill it through his own strength and his own ways. And he had to flee to the desert. And he was in a waiting period, a holding period for 40 years. Now again, you put yourself in Moses' shoes. Can you just do that? Help me out for a minute. Put yourself in Moses' shoes. And your parents are telling you, Moses, God spared you. You're a miracle child. You're no ordinary child. God's got a purpose. You might be the deliverer. And you grow up and you're like, God, I'm going to put you first. God, I'm going to put you first. And even though I'm being raised in this culture, I know my roots, I know my identity, I know my calling. I'm going to give up the short-term pleasures of sin because I'm putting you first. And the first thing you do is you're out and you stick up for your own people and you kill the Egyptian and you're saying to your people, look, I'm proven to you. I'm the man. I'm the deliverer. God's going to use me. And they're like, who are you? And then he realizes, uh uh-oh. And Pharaoh's angry, and he goes to the desert. Now, can you imagine? You put yourself, you're living in luxury. You're Pharaoh's son. You have the best life ahead of you. And all of a sudden, you're out in the desert. And your reputation, there's no going back. And all your dreams, and all your hopes, and all your prophetic words from God, and all these things that you thought, this is how it's going to go, are ruined through one single act, and you're in the desert, and you're going like, God, what in the world is going on? I thought I was gonna be used to deliver these people. I thought I was putting you first. Aren't you gonna come through for me? I put you first. What am I doing out here in the desert? And the disappointment, and did I hear God? Did I miss it? And the rejection from his own people. I think Moses pretty messed up. And God, where are you in this? Because I'm stuck out in the desert and my people are still in slavery. It's got even worse. I didn't think it could get any worse, but it's even gotten worse. I thought if I was in the palace, at least I'd have some influence, maybe on the Pharaoh. Maybe he'd have mercy on them. Now out here in the desert, he hates me. He's going to make it even worse. And Moses went through this whole period of waiting. And he had to wait on God. And we see that he named his first son Gershom foreigner, alien, sojourner. That tells you the state he was in. (laughs) But God wanted to do something in the waiting years. And what did he teach Moses in the waiting years? He taught Moses, first of all, servanthood. Do you think Moses, as the prince of Egypt, do you think he ever... Served? (laughs) I think he was served. I doubt he ever did anything to be a servant. I'm sure every cook, you know, everything was like, the linens were folded. He got full course meal. He probably didn't do anything. And the first thing he had to learn is out in the desert, he's sticking up for these women he doesn't know. He's feeding animals. He's being a shepherd, which the Egyptians hated shepherds they hated them and you've ever talked about being overqualified for a job that was moses wasn't it but god was beginning to teach him how to serve and god was teaching him that i'm your provider and god began to give him bread through these people god gave him a family and if you go back in line the midianites were actually descendants of abraham So he married into the Hebrew family, as he was supposed to, and God provided a wife. And we begin to see, when the second son comes along, we see a change, because he named his first son, Foreigner, Alien. He named his second son, Eliezer, God is my helper. It's an interesting change from the first son to the second son. And God began to use that desert time, that waiting time, to mold and shape Moses for what he had in store for him. And Erwin Lutzer, in his book, he says, It's in the desert and not in the palace that God finds out the depths of our yieldedness. It's when he is silent, not when he speaks, that our faith is precious in his sight. And we see a lot of parallels between Jesus and Moses. And we see that by faith, Jesus trusted in his father. Because Moses left the palace, Jesus left glory in heaven. Jesus came as a shepherd, one who would lay down his life for the flock. Jesus was rejected by his own people. Jesus was an outcast. He didn't have anywhere to lay his head. Jesus suffered. Jesus was able, it says in the book of Hebrews, and Moses was able. Moses went from seeing his people in slavery and suffering to relating to him because he was like one of them. Jesus came from heaven to earth and it says that he learned obedience in the book of Hebrews. You know, he never sinned. He learned. And now we have a great high priest, it says, who knows what it is. He sympathizes with us because he suffered as we suffer. He's tempted. He was tempted as we are tempted. And Jesus trusted his Father, and as it came through the prophetic words and the songs we sung this morning, Jesus takes and God takes our suffering, and he takes us through it to use it for his good, and he laughs at what the enemy meant for evil, that only God can turn it To good. So there's a ha ha in God, it says, as he laughs at his enemies. Because what they meant and what Satan meant for evil, God in his sovereignty can work out for good. And so, my question ending this morning is for really you and I. How do we live our lives? And I think we could say we would acknowledge, probably if we come church, if we're from a Christian background, we would acknowledge God is sovereign. But do our decisions reflect that we actually dare to believe that God is sovereign, that God cares, that God has a purpose and a plan, that God is in control even when all these things happen. So some of you might find yourself in a life and death situation. And it's going to be crunch time. Do I really dare to believe that God is in control and that God has his hand upon my life and that I can trust God? So some of you who are older, as you approach, and every one of us, we don't know what, what day is our day time, as we approach death, are we trusting in a good God that's provided a way to heaven through Jesus Christ? By faith, we can approach old age. For those of us who are battling in different things, so we can go through it all. We can go through marriage. You can be struggling because you're single. You can be struggling because you're married. <laughs> Seriously, that's, those are the two battles. I'm alone. I'm single. God, you're silent. Do you hear me? I'm crying out to you. I thought I'm, you know, I'm putting you first. I could have all kinds of other things if I went outside your will, but I'm not. So God, where are you? And some of our marriages, God, we're trying to put you first. All the same questions. And this is the big thing. What happens if God is silent in that? What happens if God is silent? We can't have kids. What if God is silent? God, I need help raising my kids. You can take every situation. God, I'm really battling because I have a lot of money and it's really tempting and I don't want to put money first. Help me. God, I have no money and it's really hard not to put poverty ahead of you. Folks, we can go through every scenario and it should affect one of us at some point. Sickness, persecution, jobs, no job, the job I'm in. Life, death, temptation, waiting. God, I believe you have prophetic words for me. God, I thought it was going to work out this way. I thought I was obeying your will. And now I seem worse off than ever before. Well, this is our lives. And as we know each other, we know, we know our lives. And we have people in every one of those situations and I could go on and on because every one of us has a situation that we must sometimes be sending, God, where are you? And folks, the hope this morning is this, as we close. From the word of God, from the life of Moses, as the life of Moses reflects and foreshadows Jesus and we put our hope in him as we're singing about this morning, whatever situation you're in, Can we press in? Can we dare to press into God? Can we dare to believe? Even when God's silent, God, we're going to believe your character. We're going to believe your promises. We're going to believe your power. Even if I'm not healed, God, I'm still going to trust in you. Even if I don't get this job, I'm going to still keep trusting you. Even if we don't have kids, I'm going to keep trusting you. Even if we have lots of kids, I'm going to keep trusting you. Even if you provide this, even if you don't provide this, I'm going to keep trusting you. I'm going to press into you. God, I don't know maybe what you're using this waiting period for, but maybe you're forming and shaping and molding things in me that I don't even see coming, and I'll look back one day and say, God, you were so good, but I can't see it now, but I'm going to dare to believe to say, God, you're good, even when I don't. See it. That's what God loves. He loves when we worship Him. It's easy when the Red Sea parts. We'll get to that. It's hard in the desert. And, folks, this morning, believe God wants you and I to dare to believe in His character, His promises, His power whether we see the immediate outcome or not, we're going to live by faith in God, and we're going to trust Him for the outcome.